to summer camp, Summer. <laughs> I'll drag you there. Tonight, we have a very special guest on. His name is Jared. I'm a child of the 80s. Amen. Enough said, right? Everything's high-tension music the entire way, different sound effects here and there, and then you're basically put at ease with that song until the very end. And then surprise! And of course, that's our epic twist. Everyone obviously knows, even if you've never seen the movie, you probably know. Uh, Drew Barrymore didn't know. Let's see if there's such a thing as adult summer camps where we can adult. go. Adult? I would love all of us to get together and go to a summer camp. I've been camped out. I would have somebody make me a fake snake that is cut into three pieces, is what I would do. <laughs> I'll, I'll do it. I know people that can make things, okay? She's like, don't go in there. He'll kill you. And she's like, oh, I'm not scared. Never, ever stick with the person that says, I'm not scared. <laughs> because there's a fucking killer. There's the one doing the fucking killing. Hey, I'm staying out of this one, too. <laughs> oh, man. That was a doozy. That's right, folks. It's finally here. Friday the 13th. One of the most iconic films in the genre, and the dolls finally get to talk about it. And on Friday the 13th. So without further ado, here's your dolls of horror, Summer and Tori, with special guest, Jared Turner. Hi guys, welcome back to the Dolls of Horror podcast. My name is Summer. And I'm Tori. And tonight we will be discussing 1980s Friday the 13th to celebrate Friday the 13th. Mm-hmm. Yes, um... So, tonight we have a very special guest on. His name is Jared, and he is a really cool dude and has been listening to us for quite a while. Is that right, Jared? Yeah, for quite a while, yeah. Yeah, so we're pretty excited to have another listener on to talk about this wonderful movie. Um, I was told that Jared really enjoys this movie. All the Friday the 13th, all of them. Yes, <laughs> me, all me too, it. me too. I am, I do too. So I know that he and I are going to get along splendidly. While Tori's just going to be like, oh, okay, <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to sit here. I'll just sit here and look pretty. <laughs> just, just be, just be the moderator. Even though y'all can't see me, I'll just sit here and look pretty. Well, y'all know you're hot, so it doesn't matter. Oh, whatever. <laughs> Anyways, <Okay. clears throat> so Jared, talk about you for a minute. Yeah. What? Uh, what's your favorite horror movie? It is, ooh, it is so hard. It, it is, and I don't think I can actually give a definitive answer on that. It's, what's your favorite it, horror movie right now? Oh, man, right now? Or what comes to the top of your head? Like, what right. definitely pops into your head? Like, like, that might change in a year, but what's your favorite movie? It'll, right it'll change in a day. You have to understand the amount of horror movies I watch. It really mm-hmm. comes down to my mood. I know, right? So I watch one movie one day and think, man, I love this movie. It's probably one of my favorite movies. The very next day, I'll watch something else and they'll be, oh, it's this movie now. Um, trying to think. I guess one, probably one of my favorites, one that I can watch on repeat viewings. Mm-hmm without getting too irritated <laughs> would probably be I'll say probably the Hellraiser 2. Okay, solid choice. It's it's an oddball choice. It's kind of a popular movie, but 
I'm a huge fan of Clive Barker. So. Oh, me too. Me too. He is. See, I just the want reason- to be here right now. <laughs> I just need to go walk away. Clive Barker is <laughs> the reason that I decided to go to Texas Frightmare this year. That is an excellent choice too, because I I, I have numerous books of his. Me too. Um, I'm going to bring one a, for him to sign. Yes. I don't and, know which one yet. <laughs> kind of depends. I I'm I would like to have obviously uh um Hellbound signed, but yeah, I have all the books of blood and all those. So I I don't know which one I want signed. Um, but <clears throat> he is uh the one the reason I wanted to go to TFW. No other guests were announced, and I said, I gotta go. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, what started you and your love for horror? How did this all begin for you? I'm a child of the 80s. Amen. Um, (laughs) Enough enough said, right? Mm -hmm. Basically, I mean, for anybody who (laughs) was born after, well, I'll say 88, 89, later, just doesn't really get it um, yes. unless you kind of grew up during it. Um, I was one of those kids that my parents didn't really restrict me on what I could watch. So, you know, if it's 11, 12 o'clock at night and HBO or Cinemax or Showtime and stumble across Friday 13th, start watching that. And then I fell in love with it and just fell in love with the genre. And my parents were smart enough to realize okay, the kid's not going to copy his stuff. He's not going to become a serial killer. Right. So they, they you know, kind of monitored it a little bit. But other than that, I kind of had a free reign on it, and I just couldn't leave the genre. I know, me too. My parents didn't have as much problems with the violence as much as they did with the nudity and the sex scenes. Yeah, yeah. That's when they really kind of drew the line. They're like, no, you can't watch this. So. It took me a long time, even as I got older, for when the sex scenes or nudity came up, I wasn't kind of looking over my shoulder <laughs> to see if like, my parents looking. But oh, wait, that's <laughs> right there. That's really, really cool. I love hearing about people's horror journey because everyone's different, and it's 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 real special because it's a it's a lifelong love. Once you're hooked, uh-huh. it's like a drug. Especially when it, especially when it happens as a child oh yes because then it's more nostalgic and it means more yes especially the 80s mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it was yeah it was a time of excess and that's it was a perfect genre to bring all that out mm-hmm. yes it really was what um do you remember I, what's very 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 first horror movie you ever saw um let's see that's a good question i think some of my earliest memories i re- you know were probably the remake of uh, the blob from 88 that's a good one mm-hmm. um i don't remember which friday the 13th it was that was one of my first ones i actually remember seeing it was probably if i had to guess it was probably part three or part four mm-hmm. but those are my earliest memories on horror movies it's wonderful. That's beautiful. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing, isn't it, Tori? <laughs> yes, it is. It's the best. It is. And now, and I, and I will say, now he has to be worried about looking over his shoulder and being like, "Is Tori watching? Is he watching me? Is she 
that I'm watching nudity. Because <laughs> we all, the, the, listen, the listeners know how I feel about excessive nudity. Yes. Okay? They know this. Yes. So. <laughs> oh my well, goodness. I mean, good thing about this movie is that there wasn't an excessive amount it's true no, there wasn't and i have to say during the kevin bacon scene he does have a hand on her boob yeah which i think was tr- strategically placed there yes because they probably did not want an excess amount of boobies yes because they didn't want x rating or they probably mm-hmm. were just really because his hand was right there on it covering it and i was like that's they did that on purpose yeah or maybe the actors I, I, didn't want to see I, Either yeah. that or Kevin Bacon did it on purpose. It's <laughs> always nice to have a man's perspective. Yeah, I'm just saying. I, mean, I, I can completely picture him here saying, how, how would it look if I put my hand right on it? Yeah. Would that help you guys out a little bit? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's dive right into this movie. I'm so excited. I've been, I've been so excited for this movie for months. Um, I know one of our listeners in France has been asking us to do this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Xavier, this one is for you. Yep, and we can do we can do more nightmare. Uh, I almost said nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> we can do more Friday the Thirteenth. Oh, we are going to do them all yeah. at some point. Yeah, definitely, yeah, sure. it's going to for happen. Sure. It has to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so if you have been living under a rock for the last forty years, guys. The synopsis of this movie is a group of counselors trying to reopen a summer camp are stalked and murdered by an unknown assailant. It stars Adrian King, a very young Kevin Bacon, Harry Crosby, um, Janine Taylor, Mark Nelson, Laurie Bartram, and of course, the late, great, legendary Betsy Palmer. It's uh, directed by um, Sean Cunningham, who also produced The Last House on the Left with Wes Craven. <laughs> and written by Victor Miller. is That's what it's credited as. <clears throat> so, favorite kill, guys. Fatality. Okay, I want to go first. Yes. Okay, my favorite kill. It was hard for me to choose one. It wasn't for me, too. It was. Um, so, I went with Jason's mom. <laughs> Because it's a good decapitation. We it's, love decapitation. It's a great decapitation. And I wrote, I wrote, this is what I wrote. I put Jason's mom because no one else deserves to die but her. Not even the snake. <laughs> That's what I put. <laughs> Sheesh. <laughs> hey, the snake was just living, okay? They came in to the snake's territory and killed it. It's true. The snake didn't build the cabin. <laughs> well, the snake, well, either way, either way, it's just an animal that don't go about its business. They could have caught it and released it. Well, it's like Alice said to Ned, she was like, haven't you ever been in the woods before? Or Exactly. Bill, Ned, and he's like, we're not in the woods. <laughs> exactly. but, we're in ca- but we're in a cabin in the woods. Come on, guys. <laughs> Come um, on. That is actually when I was um, questioning my husband. That was his favorite kill, too. Oh, good. So he is on board with you, Tori. Um, okay. That's his favorite kill. Uh, Jared, what's your favorite kill? I'm going to go with when Marcy takes the axe to the head. I love Marcy. Yeah. That's a great one. Uh, yeah. I Just the whole sequence set up and everything else. The axe hitting the lamp above before she gets hit. Yeah. Which was it, one, of, that's so cool. one of Tom Savini's signature things that he does to make the instrument look real and give it weight. 
Yes. Is to make it hit something that is actually hard and do damage to it before actually showing it kill the person. And I just love that image of the axe in the face as she goes falling back. Yeah. And then, so it was a real axe hitting a real lamp. And Mm -hmm. then it was a styrofoam axe on her actual face. Right. Right. That's yep. that's how he achieved that from from what yeah. I understand. Yes. That I love that kill. I love that kill so much. Um, but that's not my favorite. My favorite is another one of Tom Savini's greats, and that is Kevin Bacon's character, Jack, <laughs> with the arrow through the back of the neck. It's just turning and twisting and coming up in there and blood squirting <laughs> out. Mm-hmm. And it's awesome. Mm-hmm. I love it so 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 much. <clears throat> and the uh, the blood squirt, I think I heard in one of the documentaries, was a happy accident. Like it was like jammed yes. up, and someone blew, mm-hmm. and just like pff, popped out, which yeah, was great. Yeah, the, the assistant to uh, Tom Savini, Tasso, he they'd said that it got clogged up and it wasn't coming out, so Tasso had to blow into the tube and shoot the blood out, which ended up being better than when it actually worked. Yeah, because it just squirted. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. So That was pretty cool. Yeah, so I love that. I love that kill. When Sometimes when I'm reviewing these movies, if it's a movie like this that I've seen probably over a hundred times or more in my lifetime, I always have to think back to what's the kill that I think of. Instead of rewatching it and picking it apart, what what do I automatically think of when I'm mm-hmm. thinking about this movie? And that's the one that yeah. always comes to my head first. Oh, so um, kill creativity. Um, for me, the kill creativity, I don't think it was that creative. I mean, because it's all the typical things. It's it's an it's a decapitation. It's an axe to the head. It's, I mean, I guess the Kevin Bacon was creative. Kind of. Well, yeah, because it was coming but, from the bottom instead of from the top. Yeah. I mean, so I guess it, it was okay, but it wasn't as creative as we've seen on other movies. That's all. I mean, true. Hate me. Hate, hate me if you want to, but we've seen <laughs> more creative kills than this. But this was also very early, too. True. That's true. It was in the 80s. That's true. It was 1980, so we haven't had not yeah. even got through the 80s yet. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Okay. Jared, do you have a take on that? I thought the kill creativity was decent, kind of what Tori was talking about there. It's, I enjoyed it for what it was. It's simplistic. It's items you'd find at a camp. Yeah, there's yeah, not a, a lot, of, not a lot of scenes where you, you could get really creative, especially considering when you find out later who the killer actually is. It's true. You can't go too over the top. It's not like when it's later on with Jason and he's basically superhuman. Yes. So with being a, we'll say middle-aged, a little bit later, older woman, then, yeah, I, I give it that, and I give it a pass for that. It's not too creative, I guess, but it's it's good enough for what it was. Yeah. I, I, I totally agree with that. I mean, yeah, you're right, because although the kills aren't very creative, they aren't meant to be. I guess, because, like you said, it'd be super unrealistic if they were more creative, because it wouldn't like you said, it's tools they have around the camp. And once you find out who the killer is, the kills fit the movie. And that's important. You don't want the kills to not fit the movie. So I see what you're saying. I agree. 
I agree. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree with what you're saying at all, but yeah, for for this, for the characters and everything, I yeah. think it pretty well. I agree. Yeah, I agree. I agree with both of you. It's true. This this wasn't an over the top film, so it was it was good. Um, let's talk about those fantastic, practical, groundbreaking effects by Tom Savini. I thought they were fantastic. They look super real. Weren't they amazing? Mm-hmm. Super real absolutely and i didn't know when i first saw this movie i think it i was probably maybe 1990 or 91 possibly 92 because i would have been eight to ten years old at the time i um i of course i didn't know who he was i didn't know who did the effects these special features and documentaries and articles and stuff they were not um available mm-hmm to to us to to learn these things so you really had to be reading fangoria magazine yeah or what was that other one um from the time fangoria and was it gore zone i know what you're talking about and i cannot remember the name of it i think it was gore zone or something like that um so if unless you really really read those and i didn't have the money to buy them um, you really didn't have the ability to know who these fantastic people behind the effects were. Mm-hmm. So what he did was was amazing. And the more I watch on it, the more I'm in awe of what was done in these movies. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And that's especially considering that Tom Savini was a photographer in the Vietnam War. Oh, yeah. And him saying multiple times that if he couldn't make the effects and gore look as realistic as what he saw in the field, then it was not good enough for him. And that's why they looked so good. Yes. Unfortunately, he he was basing it off of real life. Right. And he had just gotten off of working on Dawn of the Dead when he came onto this. Yes. Um. Let's talk about props. Um, Tori likes to pick out a prop that she would have wanted from the set or the movie. Yeah. Um, I, did, uh, I didn't really pay attention. Yeah, you go first. I didn't really pay attention. I honestly wasn't either. But a prop that I always wanted. Um, I know what you're going to say. A couple of things. Um, if I had space for it, for example, if I had a home with a yard or a gate, I want the Camp Crystal Lake sign. Mm-hmm. Knew it. Um, I also would really love Reese's head. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, those would be my two top props. Okay. What about you guys? Right. For my prop, I'm just going to go simple because you know how I like the simple things that are maybe conversation starters. So maybe if I had a snake that was cut into like three pieces and it was <laughs> laying there and it was just laying there on my shelf and they're like, what is that? And I'm like, oh, that's uh, the snake from Friday the 13th. You don't recognize it? Are you not a horror <laughs> fan? How do you not recognize the snake? Well, you you know, Tori, get that out, was out a of real my snake house. they killed, right? Out of my house right now. <laughs> No, I. It was a real snake they killed, wasn't it, or was it? Yes, yes. It was. That's bad. I don't like. Uh, 
I don't like that. Yes. <laughs> I don't so like that at all. It's not like you could take the prop snake you have a corpse snake in your house. I can have... Here's what I would do. I would have somebody make me a, a fake snake that is cut into three pieces is what I would do. <laughs> and I would set it up on my shelf. I'll, I'll do it. I know people that can make things, okay? So I'll do it. But that would be my prop because it's very <laughs> obscure. Not a lot of people... I like having things that are different that not everybody has. So that'd be yeah. It. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have one, Jared, or no? I don't know. I I'll keep it simple. I'll just say the original prop head of Pamela Voorhees' head. Yes. That would be so amazing, wouldn't it, to offer your collection? If I had a collection, yeah. <laughs> I'll start a collection with a head. There you go. Stick around. Stick with us. You'll get a collection soon enough. Oh, I know. <laughs> Um, my favorite time of the show, fashion moment. Fashion. Okay, my fashion <laughs> moment. I think it was Brenda. She's wearing a pair of red shorts uh-huh. with a shirt and then a button up over it that is unbuttoned but tied at the bottom. Okay, yeah, yeah. And I really like that. You know what? It was 1980, but you know it almost felt like a 1990s outfit to me. Uh huh. So it was way before its time. Well, thing and is, a lot of 1980s still had a lot of the 70s in it. Mm-hmm. And in the 90s, the 70s were making a comeback with the bell bottoms and stuff. Uh huh. Well, I was also going to say she's wearing a pair of red shorts. And colored bottoms are still very in right now, I think. I mean, in the movie that I just filmed with um, Felissa in November, they had me in um, burgundy shorts like that. Mm-hmm. See, yeah, they're still very in. Yeah. It was way, It was before its time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you have one, Jared? I do. Okay. Oh, my gosh. It better not be what I think it is. <laughs> it's absolutely what you think it is. <laughs> Why? Sure. Do you, does anybody want to take a guess besides Tori? Uh, <laughs> so basically, it's just summer hoodie. I, I don't know you well enough. <laughs> um, so no, no idea. It's Steve Christie. Okay, I was gonna say Christie's glasses or something like that. Oh no, it's it's his whole outfit when you first <laughs> see him. He's got the cut off jean shorts. He's creeping on Alice. The red socks. No t-shirt and the red handkerchief tied around his neck. <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh man, that was a doozy. He yeah, just, it was. He's wasn't it? all it was he is all there, and he just wants you to drink him in. <laughs> then no. Well, like I said, he was creeping on Alice. He was just like, check it out. That's so, right. So, so that was the go-to come and get it outfit for men back then. Is that what we're saying? <laughs> it was. Because I'd be like, uh, no. <laughs> that's a no for me. He can take the scarf off if that's bothering you. What did you think it was an ascot or what? I mean, that <laughs> no, was that, that was that was it a was, handkerchief. Oh, I know. Oh, I know that it was a there was a handkerchief, but he wanted to think it was an ascot or something. I don't know what he thought, but no. <laughs> he was collar coordinating <laughs> with a sock. So, my God, I'm not doing this. <laughs> okay, I'll go. My uh, fashion moment is um sandy the waitress in the diner (laughs) 
in her classic 50s style um, blue and yellow uniform, big glasses and big curly red hair. And my greatest fear is that'll be me in 20 years waitressing (laughs) in that kind of outfit. That's awesome. And I always, I'm sorry. Side note, um, I went to a diner out here um, a few years ago and it was one of those really old feel diners with a counter and everything just like that one. Mm -hmm. And the lady behind the bar looked like her the lady working she was an older lady she didn't look exactly like her this obviously sandy was an exaggerated version of this person but she had the same feel she had the big glasses she had romantic hair she looked like she just stepped out of a 1960s diner that's awesome. Yes. I love that. And in the Steiner, the Steiner is so old school. They were selling cigarettes behind the, it was a, it were on a rack on a wall behind the. I love it. And when I say bar, I'm not talking booze, guys. I'm talking like you sit there and eat your pancakes and drink your coffee. Bar. <laughs> yeah, I love that. That's amazing. Yes. I'll have to take you there, Tori. It's, it's okay. food too. It was really, okay. really good. Um. So yeah, Sandy the waitress, it, the whole outfit, the whole getup, my fashion moment right there. <laughs> yes, and she always has been. <laughs> always, I've always loved Sandy. <laughs> um, I always thought it was interesting that they kind of bring that back, and Jason goes to hell with the right? lady at the diner. Yes, um, I loved that too, and I did. I did uh, catch on to that when I saw it. <laughs> what was that actress's name? Rusty um, Rusty Schwimmer. Schwimmer, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I loved I loved that that whole Rusty Schwimmer and um, who was her her little partner? Was it Leslie? Oh. <laughs> I'm pretty sure his name yeah, is Leslie, Leslie Jordan. Jordan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah the the guy's name was leslie jordan he was hilarious too and he's still working now oh yeah yeah he's still so funny <clears throat> um cinematography guys i love the cinematography in this movie so much do you, either of you have anything to say about it yeah no i agree they did extremely well at <laughs> filming at night when you don't have a lot of light being picked up by the cameras, mm-hmm. they do it well enough with what little light they have to be able to show you what's going on. You're not completely lost. The nice kind of wide angle shots of the lake and everything, it sets up the atmosphere and the mood really well. The lake was beautiful. Yeah, I loved that lake scene. How beautiful was that? I have always had a fascination with that lake. I thought it was so stunning. And this, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. how the, they had the reflections coming up off of the water. Especially in the end scene. And let's talk about the camera angles for a moment. Um, The stalker POV camera angles. um, And how they work. I read in an interview that they work because it gives the notion that there is an unexplained and unexpected person in the story. And that by switching to that unexplained person's point of view you can create a, an anxiety because the camera is in the wrong place. 
Right. And it's okay. telling you that there's someone else present that nobody else knows about, but you know about it. Right? Yeah. Right. I get that. And I thought that was genius and how they used that and how Mrs. Voorhees, spoiler alert, was stalking the camp and killing the kids or teenagers mm-hmm. rather. And that the angles on which they were using her to do that, I thought mm-hmm. were great. Mm-hmm. Soundtrack. I didn't really pay attention. <gasps> Harry Manfredini. Harry Manfredini. I'm done. I'm. I'm. Bye, guys. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> I just snorted. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm really I'm fighting a cold right now. I've been fighting it for a so week. I. So I am so stuffed up and I'm trying not to cough. <clears throat> yeah, I'm coughing all over the place over here. Man. But um as Jared knows, <laughs> it was composed by Harry Manfredini and he was also in charge of the sounds you hear. And um I really love the ending song of Sail Away, Tiny Sparrow. He also wrote that with John Briggs, and it was performed by Angela Rotella, the one with the lyrics, so at least. And it's almost a lullaby. Yeah, where she's on the lake. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like a lullaby. And um, I've always thought that it was a beautiful piano piece. I wanted to skate to it when I was figure skating because I loved it so much. And it's a perfect song to be a complete contrast to the rest of the movie. Everything is high tension music the entire way, different sound effects here and there. And then you're basically put at ease with that song until the very end. And then surprise. Yes. (laughs) And that surprise is actually, I mean, I know it's off topic at the point, but that surprise was written basically by Tom Savini. Yeah. And the you only hear the the high tension string music when kills are about to happen. Did you guys notice that? Yeah. Yeah, I did. Yeah. So I loved how they used that. Um uh, some other songs that were sang briefly in the beginning in the 1958 camp, the camp songs were down in the valley. Michael, row your boat ashore, and Tom Dooley. Yeah. Did any of you, either of you, ever go to like a sleepaway summer camp? I never went to a summer camp like that, but I have gone and stayed. Like I've gone camping before, um, and I've stayed in cabins um, when I was a teenager. Um, it was a lot of fun. I, I really enjoyed it. Whether it would be whether it's in a tent or in a cabin. Um, it was fun. I did it with all my friends. It was really fun. Jared? Yeah, I've been to camp before. I haven't gone to like a full summer camp or anything like that, but mm-hmm. camps have lasted, you know, maybe close to a week. Right. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys have yeah. it out here, but like Camp Keep, and that's what we had in California. It was just a week long date or yeah, exactly. summer camp. I, 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 yeah, I don't think they really do like all summer long camps anymore no i know it's only like a week two weeks three weeks i know my husband went away for it and when i was a kid i had friends that went away for an extended period of time 
wow. for a summer camp like that, but I never did. I, I wish I had full summer camp, so I'd send my kids there. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Summer, yeah. let's look into that for, for, for us and our listeners. Let's see if there's such a thing as adult summer camps where we can adult. go. I would love all of us to get together and go to a summer camp. Man, it's called fun. conventions. <laughs> no, I'm talking about in the woods. I hate the woods. <laughs> oh my god. I am not outdoorsy. I don't like dirt. We're going to summer camp, Summer. <laughs> I'll drag you there. And Henry can help me. <laughs> They're called conventions. No, Summer, I'm talking about actual, you know, no air conditioning and no booze on coal and <gasps> no room service, okay? No. We can bring... <laughs> no running water no thank you hey it has running water you can take showers no cell phones no electricity okay nope. i want electricity <laughs> well you know It'd they have fun. the emergency generator out there oh well yeah that's such a big help <laughs> but no cell phone service no thank you it would be a blast um, I'm good. <laughs> Whatever. I don't. I don't like the outdoors. I don't like dirt. Not a fan. We went camping a lot um, as a family in tents in the van. Just, I, I, I I've been camped out. <laughs> <laughs> we need to do something. We need to do something. I, I think my fun. dad always wanted a boy, so he tried to make me really outdoorsy, and it just backfired at, after a while. Yeah. So now you're just done. <laughs> Yes. Nope. Don't like the outdoors. No. Thank well, you. your Friday the Thirteenth card has been revoked. <gasps> well, so is yours, since you <laughs> haven't even seen them all. Hey, I never claimed to have one. <laughs> I never claimed to have one. Thank you very much. Oh my gosh, we got to work on her, Jared. <laughs> hey, I'm staying out of this one too. <laughs> How do you guys like the story? I really liked it, especially you know it being the 1980s, um, it being a summer camp. You know what I mean? I, I felt like it was very realistic and practical—a a practical story. Mm-hmm. I liked it. I liked it. And uh, Jared? Yep, same. It's simple. It's effective. I think uh, Victor Miller did a great job on writing it. Yeah. He, he's. He hasn't done a ton of stuff, but I mean, from what he's done, he's good at really understanding the, you know, the, the life of the kids that age, what they would be like. And yeah, it was just, it's simple and effective. Yes. I loved it as well. Um, and I think it was him. I wrote it down somewhere that was quoted as saying um, the structure it might have been him or it might have been Sean Cunningham. The structure of an 80s horror movie is the first half an hour is the opening where you introduce all the characters. And then you have the middle half of an hour and where everybody's getting killed off one by one. And then you have the last half an hour when you're introduced to the killer and then you have a chase. Yeah. And that's when movies were always an hour and a half. <laughs> Okay. Right. Um, I think that's a very effective formula for a sto- for storytelling. Like that's a mm-hmm. really good outline to follow. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, it's pretty trying... standard on screenwriting and screenplays. Is that three step right. process? Mm-hmm. Right. If you're trying to, especially if you're trying to write a horror, but now mm-hmm. now the movies are two and a half, three hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were just talking about that the other day about how it seems like the new norm is two hours. It, it so really it like is. It seems like that's and the Invisible Man was two hours. Yeah. It was good. It was good, but it was two hours. Two hours is the norm, and so many movies are two and a half or three. Mm-hmm. Like it so, chapter two, I was like, that's what, that's, that's what I'm gonna say. That okay, that's what I was gonna say. The only movies that are that I'm fine with and completely okay with being that long are the it movies. <laughs> that's it. They're the only ones that are allowed to do that, everybody. Listen up, okay? Nobody yeah. else can do that. But it. I know. Uh, uh, hold on. <laughs> no, I'll fight. I, I know. <laughs> I, I I give a pass to Dr. Sleep. Okay. That's I still have I to have watch really that seen. one. Yeah, that's what right. I haven't really seen. But again, we're, we're talking an adaptation from Stephen King. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, let me, yeah, let me let me broaden that. And any adaptation from Stephen King, I can I'm okay with being more than the hour and a half because his now, books are some of his books are so long. And here's the thing too: I go so far as to say I would like to see adaptations from him put into like maybe a ten part series on Netflix, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where you can yeah. flesh a story out. So I don't mind longer movies like that if they're uh-huh. really going to flesh it out and try to stay true to it. Whereas, exactly. you know, a Friday the 13th, like, you know, movie like this, mm-hmm. you can get away with an hour and a half. You don't yeah. have to be deep in story and flesh no. out everything. Yeah. Well, yeah, well, here's the thing. Yeah, I agree. Here's the, here, Okay, here's one of the things that I love about the It movies. I love it when movies are true to books. Me too. I really, 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 really love it. I cannot say that enough. I hate it whenever I read a book. And then I go see the movie and it's nothing like the book. I'm like, wait a minute. So I love that they tried to stick to the detail. Every single little detail. They tried to stick to it as much as they could in the It movies. And I love that. So let me just broaden that and just go ahead and say that that anybody that is making a movie based off of a book, take as long as you need. As long as it's book accurate. As long as it's accurate. To, because I love that. Mm-hmm. Whether it be Stephen King, whether it be Clive Barker, whether it be someone else, if you're doing it based off of a book and you need more than an hour and a half, I am fine with that as long as you're making it accurate to the book. Yeah. Well, you know what? I'm I'm a big Stephen King fan, and I have a lot a lot of his books, and I've read Doctor Sleep. And when I heard they were finally making a movie of it, I was so excited. Um, I really loved the adaption of from book to screen of Thinner. Because I felt that stuck really close to the book. I'm gonna have to rewatch that. Um, and you should re- really read it. It's it's not yeah, a very long. It's, it's not a very long book at all. Okay. Um, I think it might be like 500 pages or so. It's 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 an easy one. It's not. It's not. It's not it. It's not it. <laughs> Don't get me started. It's easy to get through. It's not <laughs> okay. really discombobulated, and it's 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 an easy one to understand, and also. I mean, everybody hates me for this. I'm sorry. The TV remake of The Shining is basically book to screen. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I per- love it for that. That's that's the credit I give to it as well. I mean, everyone's love for the original Shining mainly comes from Jack Nicholson and Kubrick and his direction for it. But 
it wasn't the book. No. And I've always been a big fan of the book over the movie, over the original movie. So when they finally, when they released that miniseries, I think it was, what, 97 or something? I was so excited for it to happen. And I was really excited when I realized that it was such a great um, adaption. I mean, they really... And and no one likes that movie. I love that movie. Hate me, I don't care. I think it's great. But I'm I'm a big reader. So or I, I used to be a very big reader. So I read mm-hmm. all these books and I, I adore all these books. So they are kind of precious to me. So when you ruin mm-hmm. it with the movie, it kind of irks me a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. One last thing I wanted to say. <laughs> Um, another quote from Victor Miller on the story that <laughs> I just loved. He said, you have to figure out as many different ways to make teenagers without being stupid. Yep. That's a good one. How brilliant is that um, thought? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's 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 an extremely brilliant thought for an extremely simple question that's right. much more difficult than what you would normally think. Exactly. Don't want to insult the viewing audience's intelligence by making everybody so ridiculously dumb that you just can't follow the story anymore because you exactly. become so distracted with that. But making them lose common sense because of a situation they're in is understandable so you can excuse them being quote unquote stupid. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. Um. Okay. Epic line. And time. I, so I guess so I guess that means sex just makes them lose all common sense, and that's why it's just a trending <laughs> thing in each film. Yes. Well, I think I other shows when we were talking about movies in general, and I can't remember which director said this. They said, you know, you're distracted by something else. You let your guard down and you can't, don't have your defenses up. You can't fight because you're focused on the naked person in front of you. Not the next person. It's true. (laughs) You're in a vulnerable state. You are. So you're you're doing something else. You're not paying attention. Yeah. Let's talk epic line, guys. Okay. My epic line... Uh-huh. Has to do with sex in a way, and it's more than it's more than just an epic line. It's like an epic conversation. I think another one. Go on. Okay. Hey, I know what we're gonna do. Play Monopoly. Oh, uh-huh. I hate Monopoly. Not the way I play it. You won't. <laughs> strip, strip Monopoly. I know what we can do. We're going to play Monopoly. I hate Monopoly. Not the way I play it. You don't. Uh, what? We're going to play strip Monopoly. I'll be the shoe. That whole thing. Because I love board games. Monopoly, come on, guys. I mean, let's face it. Monopoly is like the never-ending abyss of board games. Uh-huh. And it can really get boring. So you got to spice it up one way or another. Like I said, I, I love board games. I'll play almost any board game there is. But not, Monopoly can get boring. So you got to spice it up a little bit. And I love that. I love that whole scene. That's awesome. That's yeah. great. Was that the one you were thinking? No. What the one <laughs> the one I was thinking is towards the beginning when Ned and Marcy Jack are going to the camp. 
And she leans over and says, is sex all you ever think about, Ned? And he says, hey, no, absolutely not. Sometimes I just think about kissing women. You really think there'll be other gorgeous women at Camp Crystal Lake besides yourself? <laughs> sex all you ever think about, hey, Ned? Hey, no, huh? no, absolutely not. <laughs> ha! Sometimes I just think about kissing women. <laughs> I remember that now. They're in the car. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Um, Jared, what's yours? My epic line would have to be from Pamela Voorhees. Mm-hmm. Around the time she's first introduced there and she's talking to Alice, it's when she starts with the whole, he wasn't a very good swimmer. Mm-hmm. And then she goes into her flashback where Jason's drowning. And that point when he's yelling, help me, mommy, help me. And you can just kind of see her starting to snap at that point. And then she just goes on to say, Jason was my son. Mm-hmm. Just basically that minute long area there where you can tell she's finally, we're not finally gone off deep end, but she's revealing who she is now at this point. Yeah. And that's when Alice kind of realizes, okay, something's completely wrong now. I was working the day that it happened, preparing meals. Here, I was the cook. Jason should have been watched every minute. He was, he wasn't. A very good swimmer. We can go now, dear. I think we should wait for Mr. Christie. Oh, <laughs> that's not necessary. I don't understand. I am Jason. I am. You see, Jason was my son. And today is his birthday. Yeah, you could see the realization and the change on her face and she doesn't know exactly what's wrong but she knows that there is definitely something off about her yes right she yeah she knows something's off by her just showing up Mm -hmm. um obviously the kills of her friends have her distraught she thinks she might have a safe person here, but then she realizes as soon as she kind of starts talking to herself, she realizes, wait, this is not who I thought it was. Mm-hmm. I had some thoughts on that. Um, Summer, you didn't do your epic line though yet, did you? No, not yet. Not okay, yet. Go, ahead, go ahead and do it, and then I'll um, give you my thoughts on Pamela Voorhees or whatever. Well, okay. I have, I have a really hard time. Picking an epic line. I'm torn. I'm torn. I know you said you had like a million. Yes, I'm I'm torn. Um my runner up, only because it's a classic, only because I've made many memes from it, referring to work or whatever, is um Crazy Ralph, of course. (laughs) Your iconic character. You're Mm -hmm. going to Camp Blood, ain't ya? You'll never come back again. It's got a death curse. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's how I feel about my job. So <laughs> I've made many Monday memes of, of that line. I, I did one just like two weeks ago or so and said on the first Sunday, I said, you're, you're going to work tomorrow. Ain't you? You're never come back again. <laughs> you're going to camp blood, ain't you? God damn it, Ralph. Get out of here. Go on, get. Leave people alone. You'll never come back again. Oh, shut up, Ralph. It's got a death curse. 
He's a real prophet of doom, ain't he? <laughs> but my winner is the snake scene. Oh my gosh, what line is that? Okay, <laughs> it's a string of five lines. There's a snake in here. And then Marcy says, why are we in here? First of all, smart girl. <laughs> and then when they lose the snake, and Alice is saying, kill it. And he says, I can't get it till it comes out. She says, mm-hmm. well, call, call him. Call, how do you call a snake? How do you call a snake? <laughs> Yeah, that's my epic line, guys. I love. I did. I did love that one. Whenever he's like, "How do you call a snake?" I love that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. What is it? There's a snake over there. What do I do? Kill it. It might bite. <laughs> Haven't you ever been in the woods? We're not in the woods. <laughs> Jesus, what are you doing? There's a snake in here. Why are we in here? <laughs> Can't sleep with a snake in here. Nobody told us anything about snakes. Kill it. You heard the lady. I can't get it till it comes out. Well, call him. How do you call a snake? Um. Okay. Since you, yeah. Since you brought up Ralph too, I have two thoughts. Actually, I wrote them down. My my thought about Ralph is no one ever listens to the town crazy, and they probably should. They probably should. Mm-hmm. Well, here's it. But the thing is, though, you realize they're not the town crazy. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. So it's like maybe more people should listen to the town crazy instead of just be like, oh, they're crazy. No, maybe they know what they're talking about because mm-hmm. they've been there. They've been there long enough. They're usually the town crazy is usually some old timer. They probably know what they're talking about. They've been there long enough. Fucking listen. They've okay? seen they it all in that city. Yeah, they've seen it all. They lived in that city since it began. Listen, okay, that's the first thing. The second thing is uh, Pamela Voorhees. That's her name, right? Yes. Whenever she gets to the cabin and she has the car and what's her face comes out, um, she's like, don't go in there. He'll kill you. He'll kill or whoever. He'll kill you, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, oh, I'm not scared. Never, ever, ever, ever stick with the person that says I'm not scared. Because <laughs> they're the fucking killer. They're the one doing the fucking killing. Run the other direction. <laughs> I'm telling you, that's what happens. You don't <laughs> stick with the person that says, "Oh, I'm not scared." Yeah, you're not scared because you're the fucking killer, right? So, I'm gonna go this way. <laughs> and, and going back to what Jared was saying about her slow realization of this bitch is fucking crazy. Yeah, um, Mrs. Voorhees is crazy. She knows it, and she doesn't care. Yeah, right. Kind of like this. Kind of like 2020. Yeah. <laughs> bitches be crazy and we not care bitches be crazy yep and we not care but like what you were talking about earlier where she deserved to die she did uh, and I, I get I get where that's coming from but do you know what type of fandom she had from people oh, yeah. who said I would do the exact same thing yeah. well don't get me wrong I'm a parent yes yes okay I would probably feel some type of way about the camp counselors that were involved not a new set of camp counselors right but she's 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 gone crazy yes true 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 that's true and of course that's our epic twist mm-hmm. for this movie which everyone obviously knows even if you've never mm-hmm. seen the movie you probably know uh drew barrymore didn't know true <laughs> 
true. <laughs> but now if you've seen that movie, you definitely know. <laughs> true, that's true. That's true. So yeah, the twist is of course Mrs. Voorhees <laughs> is our killer. Mrs. Voorhees is the mother of the boy that drowned. And Mrs. Voorhees is responsible for, for the camp never reopening due to bad water conditions, the fires, as Enos said while driving Annie in the truck. Camp Crystal Lake is jinxed, <laughs> you know. By so, Mrs. Voorhees. Yes, she's the one responsible for all of that. So she has dedicated her entire psychotic life to making sure this place never opens again. Because I guess in, okay. in her so mind, so it doesn't, yeah. so nothing else happens to any other children. I don't know. Yeah, so that's why she, like I was saying, I would probably feel some sort of way about the camp counselors responsible. But yeah, I see she doesn't want it to happen again. She'll go to any lengths possible, even if it means killing the new counselors. I see. I get it. Yep. But okay, whatever. And, and <laughs> she's so you. crazy, she can't distinguish now between yes. counselors from then and counselors from now. It's all of them are responsible. You know what, Jared? This is why I don't like doing things with you. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> um, logic, I don't like his logic. He makes me feel stupid. I don't. I don't like this. Hey, this is a conversation. This <laughs> <laughs> one for y'all. Mm. Seeing it now. Um, being an adult, it's not scary. Now, mm-hmm. like we've talked about before, if I was, you know, saw it in 1980 or something, I'd probably be a little bit more scared. Um, if I was going camping or, you know, if, if it was new and fresh and I wasn't so jaded, it'd probably be scarier. But no, it's not scary to me. Same. I have not been afraid <laughs> of this movie, um, I don't think ever. But I am scared of the woods because I'm scared of what's in the woods. But you're maybe... not scared of Jason being in the woods, is the point. No, but I'm scared of animals or wild people. So well, you know what? Jason could be included in that, and so could Mrs. Voorhees. Okay, well, you know what? Come camping with me, and we will, nope. make, we will make you scared of Jason in the woods. I will make sure of it. I'm good. <laughs> You'd never go anywhere. I would if out of you. (laughs) If I won the lottery to spend the night at the real Camp Crystal Lake that this was filmed at, I would do that. Okay, I definitely would do that. Okay, Um, but it's very hard to win that. So, but I'm going to keep entering. Damn it. (laughs) Okay. Um, uh, Jared, scary rating. I don't think it was all that scary. I've never found it all that scary. I think I always found it, I guess, more scary because of the situational horror and the fact Mm -hmm. that it's an actual person that's not a monster. It's someone that you kind Mm -hmm. of realize, yeah, I guess this could probably happen. Mm -hmm. As opposed to, you know, part two and on. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I was never scared of it. Never scared to go in the woods. Never frightened by any of that stuff. It was, it was more <clears> or less just a, a real person. That type of thing would worry me. Yeah, I have a question for you guys. Okay, about the whole scary thing. Did you ever think twice about getting in a pond or a lake after that? No. 
Okay. Just curious. I thought twice about getting in a pond or a lake after cabin fever. Well, yeah, and after Jaws. And after Piranha. 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 I'm not doing that. Yes. But I think you said you're wanting to cover Piranha this summer, didn't I w- you? Yes, I want to cover all of them. So I'll have to watch it then. I want to cover the original. I want to cover the remake in 95. And I want to cover the the remake that they did also. But then there's also Piranha Part 2. So okay. we need to break this up and just two different episodes, obviously. Yeah, just yeah, just to let the listeners know, uh, this summer it's going to be all about summer movies: Cabin Fever, Piranha, uh, Lake Placid. I want to do Lake Placid. Just all everything summer, anything you can do in the summertime in the water. We're going to make you guys terrified. And hopefully, we can throw in another Friday the thirteenth in there. Yes, for sure. It'll be Friday the thirteenth, and for I sure, want to give a shout out. Movie. Yes, I want to give a shout out to an actor, um, a friend of mine named Billy Worley, and he was actually in one of the Piranha movies, the 1995 remake. Awesome. And um, hopefully we can have him on at some point if I can talk him into it. <laughs> It'd be great to have him on for the remake. He's a nice guy. He's a he's nice. He's a nice dude. He's a real nice dude. Um. Overall movie rating. I'm going to go first. I'm going to give this one a seven. It's not Ooh, my. That's surprising. It's not my favorite Friday the Thirteenth movie at all. It's not my least favorite. That's for sure. But I love this movie very much. It was a groundbreaking movie for I think horror for camp movies because all these other movies came to follow. We had Sleepaway Camp. We mm-hmm. had The Burning. We had all these other camp movies. Of course, the all the other sequels. And this mm-hmm. movie started it all. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to give it a seven. Okay. Jared, weren't you saying something about this not being your favorite one either? Uh, yeah, that's correct. It's If I'm giving it a rating, I'd probably give it a six. Kind of the same way. It's not my least favorite. It's certainly not my favorite. I think... This movie, unfortunately, falls into the category when people talk about it, where they say the original movie was the best, which I think is probably fair to say about Halloween or Nightmare on Elm Street to an extent. But I think people just use that as an excuse to a certain degree to say, oh, this one was probably one of the best. And I don't personally feel that way. I've talked about before unless you were over the age of 30 when this movie came out, most people didn't know who Betsy Palmer was. Right. So from her Western I mean, they, days and such. Yeah. From her Western days and, you know, other movies like that. Cause she hadn't done much since then. So anybody that was younger than that, when this movie came out or up until now who have seen it, they, they're not shocked going, Oh my gosh, it's Betsy Palmer. Because for the most part, they don't know who she is. Mm -hmm. Um, Kevin Bacon, yeah, it's big because it was one of his first movies, not his first movie, though. It's There's a lot of good about this movie, and I really enjoyed it. But as far as being the best of the series, I just I can't go that far. But I still thoroughly enjoy it, though. Okay. Yeah, I'll give it a six. Okay. And that's all I have to say. (laughs) Because I don't care. (laughs) I watched it because I was made to watch it. Wow. Tell me how you really feel. <laughs> no, um, obviously. That's I how I felt it. about the clinic, yo. 
<laughs> yeah. Okay, I get that. Um, obviously, I respect it because it's Friday the Thirteenth. It's a classic. I respect it for what it is. It's a classic. Um, I do have Friday the Thirteenth stuff. Okay, it is part of my horror collection. But I don't claim to be a Jason fan. I've never been a Jason fan. I've always been. I've always been a Freddy girl, or maybe even uh, Michael Myers person. Um, Jason comes last. So if I had to rank it, it'd be Freddy, Michael, Jason. Um, so yeah, I, obviously I have seen this one before. Um, it's been a long time. It's not my go-to. Um, I mean, if it tells you guys anything, um, my favorite Jason is Ken because Freddy versus Jason. I know it's not the best film, whatever, yada, yada. I just like Freddy versus Jason. I like Freddy. You include Jason in it. Okay. And then I met Ken. Ken's a wonderful person. So I appreciate the Friday the 13th franchise for what it is. Um, it's just not really my horror thing. You know, everybody has their thing. Mm-hmm. And Friday the 13th has never been mine. So I didn't, um, I, it wasn't torture to watch it. I'm not going to say it was like torture to watch it, but I, I, I probably would not have watched it on my own, if that makes sense. So. <laughs> well, I, can't, yeah. I can't wait till we do the rest of these. I can't wait to hear your take on some of the later ones. Oh, I already know how I feel about the later ones, like Jason in space. I'm not even, don't even, mm-mm. nope. <laughs> I'm not. Well, just just wait till we get four years from now and we run out of St. Patrick's Day horror and we have to do Leprechaun in space. Oh, God, no, don't make me. <laughs> don't make me. If we're still doing this by then, I hope we are. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um... So that that's that's good for our ratings. So fun facts now. Uh, yes, um, Jared, Tori told me that you had some fun facts. I'll take off with the fun facts, and then I'll fill in what I got. If I know we we probably have a lot of the same stuff, so oh, I'm going to let okay. you have the honors. <laughs> All right, um, I'm not even really sure where to start. Well, I didn't. I I told her that you knew a lot of info about the movie basically like facts basically like you know um oh okay yeah, yeah. so i i'm sure there are probably things summer already has yeah. listed in there if not all the things well would you like uh, me to to list them off and you can just elaborate if you have any additional information yeah sure okay so what i've got is um well of course how this movie was thought of which is sean cunningham's famous quote halloween the movie is making a lot of money. Let's rip it off. Yes. Which I thought is brilliant. Um, Tori, do you know how they even found out that there was an interest for this kind of film? Um, I appreciate you trying to include me, but I'm a dum-dum. I don't understand. I don't understand. You could have said, no, I don't. Tell me more. No, I don't, Summer. Please tell me more. I am dying to know. There we go. <laughs> Not so crazy about the tone in your voice, though. <laughs> okay. So to see if there can be interest in a movie like this and to generate more interest they put an ad out in variety that just said from the people that brought you last house on the left comes the most terrifying film ever made friday the 13th and that's all they had they had no they had nothing 
but there was such a response from that they realized they had to make it mm-hmm. i think jared told me something about that how cool yes. was that they had nothing so that's how it was thought the of. other thing the other thing was too was with the title of the film yeah and with cunningham putting it out he also put it out just to see if they would get sued for using that name because he thought somebody somewhere has used this name for a movie before. Right. So he was just waiting for somebody to step up and say, sorry, that's ours. And right. when nobody did. Yeah. Um, this was filmed at an actual Boy Scout camp in Harwick Township, New Jersey, called Camp No Bosco. And they do tours and stuff that you can sign up for and enter to win the lottery for the overnight stays and stuff um it's my dream to go there one day i really want to go there one day to do one of these events and they did it there because they they felt that filming in an east coast location at a real camp would add to the authenticity oh yeah and the camp they sell bits and pieces of actual props from the movie yes they do and they have merchandise there like have crystal egg water bottles and stuff. <clears throat> it's very cool. Then why don't we go? This is what I'm talking about. We gots to go. We gots to go. Um, yeah. Let's talk about some actors. Um, Harry Crosby, who played Bill, was the son of Bing Crosby. Me being a theater nerd. I love that. Um, Lori Bartram, who played Brenda passed away from pancreatic cancer in um, May of 2007. She was, uh, I believe, 49 years old. Um, Walt Gorney, however, lived to be a very old age of 91 years old, and he passed in 2004. He played Crazy Ralph, if you don't know. Oh, wow. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, so he he passed of natural causes at 91 years old. Um, That's awesome. Yes. Filming started on September 4th in 1979, so it was getting kind of cold outside. In fact, Betsy Palmer has said that um, some nights it even snowed. Yeah, I noticed that in the movie that in one of the scenes, I believe she put on gloves. Yeah. Or some, yeah, I noticed that. I noticed that. I mean, I figured she did it just for fingerprints, but I mean, it was probably quite cold. Yeah. Um, and because it was starting to be fall, and it was supposed to be set in the spring because the kids are supposed to arrive for a summer, um, the leaves are already turning brown. And so they would put ropes around the trees and pull the branches back so that you wouldn't be able to see the brown leaves in the shots. Um, the final canoe shot was filmed on the last day of shooting and it was 28 degrees outside Oof, and us, not water. Oh my God. Right. Us Midwesterners, we know about 28 degrees. <laughs> um, Ron Milkey, who played the officer on the motorcycle had never ridden a motorcycle before and he crashed it. <laughs> oh wow. It fell on top of him. Apparently couldn't get it off. <laughs> um, Let's see here. You know, this one is controversial. 
because I've heard people say that Annie is the first victim of Mrs. Voorhees, the first victim of Friday the 13th. But I say it's actually technically the two counselors in 1958, right? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. That's what my first thought is that they referenced the two counselors that already died. Right, but everyone always says that Annie, played by Robbie Morgan, was the first victim. The first on-screen victim. Well, I mean, the two in the beginning were still technically on screen, but even Robbie herself stated she... She even stated herself that she was the first modern day as opposed, you know, when it. it all starts from when the film, you know, the actual movie starts to take place modern day. She was the first one. Yeah. And it, and it does set up the character and it sets up for what's to come for the rest of the movie. All three of those kills actually do that. Yeah. Um, oh, th- this is fun. Um, this is not a fun fact. I just wrote it down because I thought it was funny. It's a very 1980s versus now moment when they're trying to make a phone call and they're like, it's dead. Try the payphone." And then Alice says, do you have a dime? Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. not only was there a payphone, it only costed a dime. Mm-hmm. Now, if you can mm-hmm. find a payphone, it's like 50, 75 cents. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Um, Betsy Palmer actually spent her summers as a kid at a Crystal Lake camp in Warsaw, Indiana. Ooh, that's cool. Right? Um, And the innocent final girl trope was completely debunked in this movie with Alice because not only had they implied that she wasn't a virgin, right? Because they implied that she okay. already had a relationship with Mr. Christie and had things she had to take care of back home. Um, but she was also drinking and smoking pot. Okay. So she wasn't the the innocent like they all like to make out their final girl to be. She actually yeah. was under the influence when she was fighting off uh, Mrs. Voorhees. And when I thought about that, I thought that was pretty interesting because it's completely opposite of what everything else does. Um, and I think my final one is uh, Tom Savini. Did, Tom Savini did not return for part two because he didn't like the story. And then he went and he did a movie called The Burning Instead, which is another camp slasher movie. By the way, I love The Burning. It's one of my favorites. Great movie. Love the movie. The killer is um, somebody called Cropsy. <laughs> He's Cropsy the Maniac. And it had such a great cast in it. Um, Jason Alexander. <laughs> Jason Alexander. Fisher Stevens from uh, Short Circuit. Holly Hunter. Uh, from Fabric Time. <laughs> Blanking. <laughs> Help me out, Jared. <laughs> you just caught me off guard. <laughs> um, Brian Matthews. Yes. Um, oh no. Sorry. Um, so had of up and comers, people that you saw many, many times later. So it's a it's an exciting movie, and so we will definitely have to talk about that one. 
and I love camp movies. Even though I don't like camping, I love camp <laughs> movies. Sorry. <laughs> Do you have anything else you want to add, Jared, to any of those facts or anything else you want to talk about on Friday the 13th? Oh, let's see. Well, Jason, who was played by Ari Lehman, yeah. was originally supposed to be Noel Cunningham, Sean's son. True. But his mother wouldn't let him do it. Because it was 28 degrees outside? Because it was cold and she wasn't going to let him go into the water. Right. Uh, Betsy Palmer had no idea that Jason was going to look the way he looked. That is true. Mm -hmm. Like I said, the whole Jason popping up out of the water at the end, that was all Tom Savini's idea. And he said he stole it directly from the movie Carrie. Uh Uh-huh. The whole jump scare. Yes, at the very end. I'm trying to think. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there's more, but just off top head, right. can't really think of it. Yeah, I know. I spouted off a lot real quick. So, <clears throat> um, yeah. So that uh, that that's all I got for Friday the Thirteenth, nineteen eighty. Do you have anything else you want to add, Tori? Leave me alone. She checked out. <laughs> I checked out twenty minutes. No, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. <laughs> um, no, I have nothing else to add other than, um, I've never seen the burning and now I think maybe I should watch it and maybe we should add it to our summer list. Yes. I've already added it because it's just such a great eighties camp movie. It's right up there with sleepaway camp for me. Okay. Yeah. I love it so much. Um, Jared, do you have anything else you want to add for this? I don't think so. Cool. Well, let's some shout outs then of course our fantastic producer who is not with us this evening uh mr jesse randall we miss alexa. you alexa alexa hey, alexa oh no alexa's not here <laughs> but um he's off at another function and uh we wish he was here but he's not and we miss you and uh next time he'll be here i'm sure um mm-hmm. Of course, Wes and Kevin from the It's a Horror podcast. And then the crew from the Outsiders of Horror podcast. Um, I have a very special shout out of somebody that I met today. Two people while I was working at Paisano's, my day job, um, on the weekends. And their names are Milan and Thomas. And I was their waitress tonight. And they are really great friends. They went to middle school together. That's awesome. Yes. And probably in their early 20s now. But um, I offhandedly mention horror because I talk about horror with everybody. And if they say, oh, I don't like horror, well, that's fine. I just leave it alone. But the lawn's eyes lit up. I said, you like horror? And he just started going on about it and he loves it so much. And he's asking me about my favorite horror movies. And he talks, he, I asked him about his. He's a huge Sinister fan. He's a huge, yes, really huge Terrifier fan. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, two really, really nice guys. Thomas is a really cool photographer. Um, and I gave them our information. We're going to keep in touch. They are based out in St. Louis. And 
they're just really cool guys. And I wanted to, you know, shout you guys out because I hope they listen. I know, but yeah, they're just, I'm always happy to meet fellow horror fans. And that's one reason why I just love my job so much as a server is because I get to meet so many interesting people and new people from different walks of life. And we have all have common interests. Yes. And when I find somebody who likes the horror, it's always a bonus. Um, so Milan and Thomas, you guys rock. Thanks so much. Tori, do you have anybody? I think the only person I'm going to shout out tonight, well, there's a couple. I don't, I don't want to say only. <laughs> um, Jason Shepard. Still, I see him on Facebook. He's very busy. He's doing so much artwork, and he's so talented. Um, we're going to have him do our logo that we finally designed i guess you could say we finally decided we finally agreed on some guidelines and we're just gonna let jason run with it yes we're gonna let him create something off of the few things we've said Mm -hmm. and he's just gonna Mm go yeah so he's finally doing that for us uh kenny um kenny is a friend from facebook he has a toy store i guess he's gonna have two separate booths at lexington um he's been very kind and you know has offered to let me stick some stuff under his table if i need to uh i was gonna ask him about you know putting some business cards on his table etc uh really excited about that i can't wait to see what kind of merchandise he has because i might end up buying a couple things as if i need any more shit (laughs) so but he'll have two tables at lexington so for him to have two tables i'm sure he has a ton of stuff right um and his name is Kenny. He's a really nice guy. Um, and then I think my only other shout out is going to be Jared for being our guest tonight. Jared, I'm so happy that you got to come on and talk Friday the 13th because I would have just bored her to death if it was just me with all my yes. geeky <laughs> facts about stuff that nobody cares about unless you really genuinely love the Friday the 13th canon. So, mm-hmm. thank you. Yeah, the no, I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> I, yep. I needed I needed someone here on my side. <laughs> tell her, hey, tell tell her about you have three D glasses and the three D whatever. Oh, Friday the Thirteenth Part Three on Blu Ray with the three D glasses. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> I don't have that because I don't have the Blu Ray player, but I got my Freddy's Dead glasses. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I have those because I'm a Freddy girl, so I have those. You haven't even seen Freddy's Dead. Leave me alone. You know what? That's a good point. I even asked her about that while back because I asked, what about the 3D portion at the end of the movie? Yep. Are you there, Jared? Yeah. Okay. Uh, If you said something, repeat it because I didn't hear it. Oh, no, I was just saying that I was asking her about that a while back, too. The 3D portion at the end of the movie there, and she hadn't even seen the movie. Right. I revoked her Freddy card because Uh-oh. she hadn't seen Freddy's Dead. I'm sorry. You know what, Jared? Do you want to take my place on the podcast? Can you just take my place? <laughs> he can be a doll. We can make him into a doll. Oh my God, that's creepy as fuck. It, it kind of <laughs> is. You're right. No. You're right, Summer. No one can replace the dolls. Absolutely not. But I would like, but I would like to have Jared on as a guest more often because I know how he feels about Friday the Thirteenth. <laughs> um, 
And Jared will be returning for Blood Diner. I don't know when we're doing that one, but he will be back for Blood Diner just to let everybody know. Absolutely. That's another one I haven't seen, so sue me. Whatever. I haven't seen it either. Really? What? Again, you shouldn't be telling people this or else you're going to get horrible ratings on your <laughs> podcast. I mean, it sounds slightly familiar, but I don't have any memories of it. So oh, I'm it, sure it, once it, I start watching, it, I'll remember, but... <clears throat> it's, it's not going to be one you forget. I think I always get it confused with Motel Hell. Oh. <laughs> which is completely different. Right. And I also think I heard... Bob Larson, who is like a demonologist guy, um, an exorcist, basically, talking about Blood Diner once and what a horrible, evil movie it was when I was a kid. Really? Yeah, he was well, like a television okay. exorcist. But I, I, I mean, I I'm guess. not saying that makes it a bad movie. I am not saying that at all. In fact, <clears throat> it made me want to watch it more. Well, <laughs> I, I'm not going into this thing telling you guys, oh, it's a great movie. Because trust <laughs> me, it's not a great movie. It's, mm-hmm. just, it's You have to really watch it to appreciate it. And I, say, I use appreciate loosely because I'm not expecting you guys to appreciate okay. it. Well, I'm the, I'm the one that, that made Tori watch Silent Night, Deadly Night 1. So, and great movie. So she, she, <laughs> thank you. But she, not so much. <laughs> Well, and here's here's one of the things that we know about horror movies. Not all of them are great, but we still appreciate it's true. them. true. Regardless. Yes. We still Absolutely. have to give them props and appreciate them, even if they're not the greatest. So I'm, I'm I mean, sure especially we'll the older ones because they paved the way. Yes. Yes, 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 exactly. So I'm sure we will like Blood Diner and you will be back for that and maybe some of the Friday the 13th and um, stuff like that. Uh, I do. I will say this. I have the complete box set of Freddy. I have the complete box set of Friday the 13th. I'm just a very busy person, okay? Now, if y- y'all could stop picking on me. <laughs> all right? <laughs> I have... I just... Yeah, just leave me alone. I'm gonna cry. <laughs> Sorry. And people still love me. People still love me anyways. <laughs> <laughs> all righty. Um, so... That wraps up our episode on Friday the 13th. I have been looking forward to doing this movie since we started this podcast. So I'm very excited that we were able to get this done. Um, And with that, guys, my name is Summer. I'm Tori. And? Am I supposed to say I'm Jared? You sure are. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I certainly am, for better or worse. And you have been listening to the Dolls of Horror. We will see you next time. Bye. Bye, guys. Bye. This has been a presentation of the Dolls of Horror. New episodes are uploaded every week. If you'd like to reach out and say hello to the Dolls, send them an email at thedollsofhorror at yahoo.com. You can also follow them on Facebook and Instagram, both at the Dolls of Horror or on Twitter at Dolls of Horror for bonus content. And if you really like the podcast and want to support them financially so that they can keep making episodes, consider sending them a donation. Follow the link in the description or go to patreon.com slash the Dolls of Horror for more information. Thanks for listening and see you next time. The only movies that are that I'm fine with and completely okay with being that long are the It movies. That's it. I know. I'm, I'm, hold on. No, I'll fight. I, I know. <laughs>
me let me broaden that. And any adaptation from Stephen King, I can I'm okay with being more than the hour and a half. So let me just broaden that and just go ahead and say that that anybody that is making a movie based off of a book, take as long as you need, as long as it's book accurate, as long as it's accurate to, because I love that. If you're doing it based off of a book and you need more than an hour and a half, I'm fine with that. As long as you're making it accurate to the book. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Thank well, you. your Friday the 13th card has been revoked. Bitches be crazy and we not care. Oh!